thank Pastor Mike and the church for having us here. It's truly a, a honor and a blessing. A um, little bit about me. My name is Frankie Sanchez. I'm from Houston, Texas. I've been saved about six years. And a little bit about a little bit about my story, though. Look, I thought I was saved until I got saved. I did. I went to church. I did the outreaches. I lifted up my hands. I said, hallelujah. I did all the things. But when I went home, I had no desire for God. I did the same things I always used to do. But I call myself a Christian because I talk like a Christian. I walk like a Christian. I hung out with Christians. And I thought because I did that, I was a Christian. And so one day, my wife, who's my wife now, she wasn't my wife then, but she told me, she said, uh, I don't think you know the Lord because I had a one side of God. I, I only knew one characteristic of God, and that was God's love, which is beautiful. Without love, we're nothing, right? But because I only knew God's love, it, it brought me to a place in my life, well, if God loves me no matter what I do, then I could do whatever I want to do. So I had an unbalanced um, relationship. I wouldn't even say relationship, understanding of God until one day I heard the biblical gospel, how without Christ Jesus, I was condemned. Without Christ Jesus, I would, I would burn in the, in the lake of fire. Without Christ Jesus, because I'm a sinner and my sin has separated me from God, the wrath of God abides on me. I, I didn't know that. And that's why when I heard the gospel, it was good news now because God didn't leave me in that condition. He brought me to a place to where I could be redeemed. Amen. But we're going to be opening up today in First Peter. And um, I need a timer, most definitely. Um, please. Yeah. Just wave me down. or yeah, That would be awesome. My wife says I talk too much, so... Wait, when, I just need a clock. What, what time do I need to be done, uh, Pastor? 10.30? Okay. Yeah, so. <laughs> 10 o'clock, okay. Yeah, First Peter chapter 1. Um, I'm going to pray before I get started, most definitely. Um, Lord, I uh, come to you, Father, this morning in the name of Jesus. We love you, Father. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father. God, you said in your word that you breathe the breath of life into man, and man became a living soul, God. And so, God, we live and we breathe because of you. And Lord, today I ask, God, that you would just uh, deliver your word, that you would bless your word, that it would be less of me and all of you, Heavenly Father, because without your spirit, it doesn't even matter, God. It's just like a clanging cymbal, Heavenly Father. So I ask for your spirit, Heavenly Father, just to move amongst us, Heavenly Father, to fill us, Heavenly Father, to convict us, to encourage us, to empower us, God, so that when we leave here today, we won't be the same, God. We won't just have head knowledge, but our heart would be strengthened. Our heart would be renewed, Heavenly Father. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So First Peter chapter 1, I'm going to read the whole chapter really quick, and then I'm just going to break it down uh, because... This, this epistle is about persecution, and believe it or not, the compromise that's going on in this world is going to lead to us having persecution eventually. So let's start First Peter chapter 1. 
Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are by God's power being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the testing genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not a perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this is the word of the gospel that was preached to you. This letter is addressed to the five Roman provinces in Asia Minor, which is today is known as modern-day Turkey, Okay. Both of these are in the Tarsus Mountains, okay? And this letter was written to encourage the believers to endure. There was going to be persecution. And that persecution, eventually they were going to have a ban of Christianity. 
And this was prior to that fixing to happen because Nero would come. And then after him, even more persecution would come. But he's writing this to prepare the readers and to prepare us also as well. Because it's easy for us to look back and say, okay, that was just for that time. But the word of God is living, okay? And he wants to teach us too. In America, we haven't gone through anything as bad, but it is coming. And if we're not rooted and we're not grounded in the word of God, we're, we're going to be a people who are defeated. We're going to be a people who have no victory. And this is why Peter wrote this letter. And it goes on to say that this letter is to Christians who are being persecuted. But check this out. The same Peter who denied Jesus three times is the same Peter encouraging believers through this letter. Right? Because we see even through Peter, even though Peter failed, God was going to use him to get glory. God was going to use him by restoring him. Remember, Peter said that he would die for Jesus, but yet he denied him three times, right? See, God had to bring Peter to the end of himself so that God would use him, okay? This was the man who once filled with the Holy Spirit preached repentance to Israel on the day of Pentecost, resulting in over 3,000 in conversion. And this letter right here, uh, well, it says it's commonly assumed that Peter wrote this epistle in Rome. Scholars suggest more persecution began to take place around 60 through 69 A.D. We're in the year 2023. This is 2023 because more than 2,000 years ago, more than 2,023 years ago, Christ came into the world. So in 30 A.D. or 33 A.D. is the time that Christ was crucified. So you're talking about maybe 30 years later, this, per this persecution started to happen. And why? Because the message of the cross is hated. See, because the Christians were preaching of another kingdom, not the kingdom of Rome, not the kingdom of man, but they were preaching the kingdom of God. And uh, the thing about the gospel is it's hated. It's offensive because the gospel says there's nothing that you can do to get to heaven. There's no merit within yourself that says, hey, I can do this and do this and do this, and I can make it to heaven. See, this is why the gospel is offensive. This is why people hated it because as mankind, we're prideful. We like to do things. We like to, to earn our way, you know, so that people can say, look at him. But this is why the gospel is hated, because it's about the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of man, okay? And we're going to cover the, we're going to cover the salvation of the believer, but also the sanctification. So let's go to verse 1. Again, he says, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's talking to a chosen people here, Jew and Gentile believers who are scattered strangers of the dispersion. And this is known as modern-day Turkey again, right? They are dispersed because Christ is hated. And uh, as I do this little study, I guess, I guess I'm going <clears> to <throat> get the theological points out, and then we can ask questions. Cause I know uh, Brother Cleet said there's a lot of interaction but verse 2, he says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. And this is 
a beautiful thing to know that God is sovereign. If God was not sovereign, we wouldn't have no hope. This second verse is comforting to me because it says, according to the foreknowledge of God, the prearrangement of God the Father. It, it's not by chance. It, it's not by anything that I've done or you've done or they've done. It's by the foreknowledge of God the Father. And when, when you get that in your heart and you receive that in your spirit, like, whoo, man, right? Remember, he formed us in him from the foundation of the world. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, right? He says, he formed us in him from the foundation of the world, according to the foreknowledge of God, okay? It's, it's the spirit of God right here that's making us holy. He says, for obedience, sanctification of the spirit, of the spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. It's the Holy Spirit that's making us holy, okay? Setting us apart and sanctifying us. And why are we being sanctified? Why? We're being sanctified, it says right here, for obedience to Christ, to glorify our creator. We cannot glorify God without the Holy Spirit because then that's, once again, man's works and man's merits. This is what separates dead religion from a spirit-filled believer. It's the Holy Spirit, okay? But he said right here, according sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ. He says, grace and peace be multiplied to you. And throughout the whole New Testament, you always see grace and peace be multiplied to you. You never see peace and grace. Because, see, we don't have peace apart from grace. And grace comes before peace. Okay? Y'all still with me? <laughs> grace comes before peace with God comes. And this is why the gospel is called the gospel of peace. Because... The gospel reconciles us back to God. The gospel brings peace between God and man. And we know if you're a believer today, you know we're saved by grace through faith, okay? And grace is just more, and we're going to get into it, but grace is just more than people say unmerited favor or just God's favor. When you get that deep into the, the word, it's called hottest. I mean, it, it got a lot of God's holy presence in your life, even in the person's heart, to be able to stir them and direct them to be able to know and receive the things of God. Let's go to verse 3. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Y'all, he's worthy of it all. He is worthy of it all. The heavens declare his glory. Amen? And even if we didn't praise him, the rocks would praise him. I mean, God is amazing. He is to be praised and adored. It all belongs to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because it says, because through his great mercy, his abundant and boundless mercy has caused us to be born again. 
This is more evidence of his sovereignty, okay, because of how good he is, because of how loving he is, because of how just he is, okay? He has caused us to be born again. And what does that mean? That means to be born from above, okay, to be spiritually transformed and renewed. That means a a new heart, with new desires, okay? A living hope, a meaning a, a, a life of resurrection power. The Word of God says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have become new, right? All, old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Christ had to die and rise again so we could live. The believer has been sealed with the Holy Spirit, born again to a living hope. Okay, this, is, this isn't like, I hope I get that car. I hope I get that job. This is the hope of knowing and believing what God said and who God is is going to come to pass. Okay, this isn't just that, the word hope thrown around. This, this, is the, this is the saving hope. This is the empowering hope, a hope that is alive. Amen? It says, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Death has been abolished. He took captivity captive. He had to die and raise so he could send the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit now empowers us. Like this verse, this verse 3 has a lot in it. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. I mean, Christ has done so much. God has caused us to be born again, and he's telling this to these believers because they're going through it. They've been scattered, right? Uh, Christ is, is hated. He's already, they've killed him. He's been crucified. He's ascended. And the message that they hold, the message that they preach, the life that they live, it's hated. And we can apply this to ourselves today. You will be hated. It's if, if you're living a life that glorifies God, you're going to be hated eventually. It's like they talked about the conference yesterday. You're going to be a stench or an aroma. But if you faithfully walk by faith and not by feelings, God is going to use you to be a stench or to be an aroma. That's going to, that's going to be how God wants it, you know. But we don't want to be a stench either because of our attitudes. I want to be a stench for the gospel, right? Or I want to be a Roman for the gospel, right? Okay, so he says right here in verse 4, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. The believer has an inheritance, okay? We have an inheritance In the theological sense, to inherit means to receive an irrevocable gift with an emphasis on the special relationship between the benefactor and the recipients. Okay? Unlike legal inheritance, the benefactor, meaning God, does not die, though. Okay? Yet he provides material and spiritual blessings for his people. Okay? We're talking about the inheritance. The eternal blessedness of the completed kingdom of God, which is to be expected 
after the visible return of Christ given to one as a possession. Okay, he said right here, to an inheritance that is imperishable. It's uncorrupted. It's uncorrupted. It's not liable to corruption or decay. It will not fade away. So that lets us know that it's not, it don't come from man. This isn't something man can conjure up. It isn't something that we can build. It isn't something that, that we can manufacture within our own. We have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. I love that part. Reserved in heaven for you. God, God is saying this to us through his word. That we have an inheritance that is undefiled, uncorrupted, that will not fade away, kept in heaven for you. Do we believe that today? See, the Roman Empire had its own gods. Well, everywhere you go, they have their own gods, right? And the believers... You know, as Christians, we only serve the one and true living God, right? Triune God, right? Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Romans didn't like this because it came against their authority. Even today in this country, there's only one name that's hated above every other name. We were talking about this yesterday. Muhammad's name is not hated. Gandhi, Joseph Smith, the biblical Christ is hated. He's hated because the biblical gospel humbles man. Okay? You'll see it everywhere. They don't make fun of anyone else but Christ. If you are in Christ, you're going to go to persecution. Okay? It might look different for all of us. But we have to be ready. Just like Peter's writing this letter to other believers, we have to be ready, okay? Continuing on, I'm going to skip through some stuff right here because I want the key verse is going to be 23. But he says, in this, it says, who, are, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We, we can look forward to this salvation, okay? Verse 6, in this you rejoice now. For a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. It says, in this you rejoice. Why? Because we rejoice in what we just heard. We, we have an inheritance, right? It's undefiled. It's unfading. God caused us to be born again, okay? So no matter what we go through, he was telling them no matter what they were going through, guess what? They can find rest in God. Verse 7. So that the testing genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Everything, our lives, everything in our own lives, whether it be persecution, whatever, we should rejoice with joy. Why? Why should we rejoice? Because we have the Holy Spirit in us now. And the Holy Spirit would lead me and guide and direct my heart to, to rejoice in knowing this. But listen, before even reading this, like when Peter's telling us to rejoice, right, if I would have never 
read Peter or or heard that, I would be like, man, I, I can't rejoice in my trials. But once again, when God's word speaks to us and shows us, hey, you know what? Rejoice in your trials. You can say, thank you, Lord. I can rejoice in my trials. Now, why? Because my father said I could because he has prepared, he has made a way for me. I have an inheritance that is incorruptible, even though this this corruptible man might perish. I have something to look forward, okay? It says right here, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation for your souls, verse 10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look for. Listen, the whole entire Old Testament speaks of Christ. Even from Genesis, the first uh, chapter 3, when the fall of man came, and what he did, he, he put animal skins over them. You know, this is uh, debatable, but I, I believe it. the animal skins came when, when, when the first blood shed because, uh, to, cover the, to cover them because they were naked. Right, and even from there, and we see from, from the Passover, the, the blood was always required, okay? Angels long to look for this. Everything points to Christ. The, the scriptures should always point to Christ. And when it points to Christ, I can gain from that and say, how can I apply this to my life? It's not me pointing to myself and then saying, how can I add Christ to me? It's about let me... Look to Christ and see what Christ has for me. You know, it's easy to put us first and put him second. He always has to be first. Amen. Verse 13, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that we be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, he's saying, gird up the loins of your mind. And we have to be like that, too. We have to gird up the loins of our mind. We have to be prepared. Okay. I mean, you could turn on the TV and we see it. it it's, it's bad. Our schools, I mean, everything is drastically changing. But he's saying, prepare your minds for action. And the word, the grace here is hottest favor, right? But the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life, God's favor, God's holy presence. So when we read grace, let's not just read grace from Google, but look at grace from a concordance Bible, from, from, a, from a dictionary where you can get the full meaning of the word hottest and what it means. Because once I found out what grace really meant, it's God's favor, but it's more than that. It's his presence. It's his influence on you. That's why in Titus chapter 2, verse 11, it said, The grace of God appeared to all men, teaching them to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. I mean, you're talking, that, that's what grace is. Biblical grace, that's why if you're saved by grace through faith, biblical, biblical saving grace will, will teach us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. That's what grace is. That's why in Romans 6 says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, right? But see, when I don't know what biblical grace is, if I just got man's grace, then grace teaches me I can sin or lets, gives me a license to sin. No, biblical grace teaches me to deny it. Okay, it says right there, um, verse 14, as obedient children, do not be conformed 
to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. In other words, don't go back. He's telling them, don't go back. Picture this, okay? They're Christians. They're going through persecution. They want you to deny Christ. It's so easy to say, you know what? This ain't even worth it. Imagine what they're going through. You know what? Deny Christ and you're good. Okay, well, let me go back. I'm going to go ahead and go back. He's telling them, don't, don't go back, okay? He says, don't go back. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Being persecuted is going to cause you to question if it's even worth it. This is hard. It's too much. I can't handle it. We can't handle it, but God can. Once again, he's teaching the believers to not rely on themselves. Because it's God who has caused us to be born again. Amen? We have to walk by faith and not by sight. And the only way for me to walk by faith is to align myself with God's word. And the only way to have faith is faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. Listen, I can't, if I say I have faith, but I have no, no desire for God's word, I, I don't want God's word, I reject God's word, I don't have time for God's word. Listen, the faith that I claim to have isn't a saving faith. Because I met a lot of people. Hey, are you a believer? Yeah, I'm a believer. I got faith. Oh, hey, what's your favorite Bible verse? I don't read the Bible. Well, the faith that they claim to have, it isn't the same faith. But as people, that's why the word of God is important. Because as people, we can manufacture anything. You know, a lot of us, me included, you know, when I get in trouble at work or whatever, we can always justify it. Well, hey, well, you know, it's because him, right? Like, as people, we got reasoning, you know, and, and one of the biggest enemies of us is our own intelligence. Because my intelligence tells me something, and God's word tells me another thing, and it's like we're, we're constantly having to balance it, right? But he says right here, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy. Listen, God has called us to be set apart. He's called them to be set apart, right? Because they're going through persecution. So even through their persecution, he's encouraging them to listen. God has set you apart. It's not about our own kingdom. It's not about our own glory. It's about God's kingdom. And it's about God's glory. He's, he's called us and set us apart. And Peter's telling them this. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Verse 17, and if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the entire time of your exile. In other words, even though persecution and death are present, reverence for the Lord must be there. Okay, if we call God our father, we must live as his son or daughter. Even through persecution. That's a hard one. That's a hard one. Because even since I've been saved, this happened about, I think, three months ago. I haven't, I haven't had anyone to come up to me, like, to fight me in, in a way. 
But at work, my, my apprentice came up to me and he cursed at me. And I was like, don't curse at me. But inside, I had to check myself because I wanted, I mean, he just cursed at me. He didn't touch me or nothing, right? But a part of that old man was coming out. Like, in my head, I'm saying, you don't know me. You don't know me, right? And I could just imagine if persecution came, you know? But just somebody cursing at me one time, I almost got into my flesh to where it would have probably ruined my testimony, you know? But he's, that's what he's saying right here. If you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Why? Verse 18 tells us, knowing that you were ransomed, that you were not ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without spot or blemish. Listen, you were ransomed. We were ransomed with the holy blood of Christ. Okay? Blood bought, purchased by the Son of God himself. Like, this should just blow our minds. <laughs> like, wow, God, God has, has bought me. I've been purchased with the blood of Christ. This is not something that any man could do for you. Once again, God's sovereignty, God's love, God's plan of redemption Verse 20, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God. There's, that's beautiful. Who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Christ always has been and always will be. He said, I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, right? But here in verse 20, he says, who through him are believers in God. Who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Yeah. You know what? We're only able to love him because he loved us. We didn't even know what love was. We, we might have think we know what love was. But once God shows us what real love is. All of our love was just the lost love, right? You heard that song, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places? That's who, that's who we were. That, <laughs> hey, that's who we were before we came to Christ, right? Oh, he does? Faith has brought us salvation. But let me, let me rephrase that. Biblical faith has brought us salvation, Okay? God has given us everything we need. He's, Peter's telling these believers, you, you have everything you need in Christ. Because he suffered before we suffered. Okay? Verse 20, 22. It says right here, having purified, or verse 21, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, one Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. So he says obedience to the truth. What truth? His truth? My truth? Your truth? What truth? The word of God truth. And listen, as we grow as believers, 
see, they didn't, they only had the Old Testament. They didn't have what we have now. We have much more. And we have to stand on this truth. If I don't stand on this truth, I'm not standing on any truth. It, you can't stand on a half truth. We talked about this the other day. It's like, okay, Genesis chapter 1 talks about the creation of man. We're talking about seven days. And I've heard people who, okay, well, you know what? I believe in the Bible, but I also believe in evolution. Well, if I believe in evolution, I can't believe in the Bible. You agree, if you agree with evolution, you don't agree with the text. But see, if I don't study God's word, if I have no desire for God's word, when somebody comes and tells me something, oh, well, you know what? I can believe in evolution and the word of God. I could, I could agree with both of them. No, because the, the word of God in Genesis, it's seven literal days. So if the Bible says he made it seven literal days, but evolution is talking about this and this. I can't agree with both of them. Amen? And he says, having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love. This one cuts because imagine them going to persecution. I could probably see people pointing fingers. Hey, it was him. It was him. But, you know, as believers, we have to have a brotherly love. No matter what somebody did to us, no matter what somebody said, if you're a Christian, expect to be slandered, expect to be hated, expect to be made fun of. But we have to have a love towards each other. Because if you're a child of God and I'm a child of God and you're made in God's image and I'm made in God's image and you have the Holy Spirit and I have the Holy Spirit and you've been redeemed and I've been redeemed, how could I not love you? imperfections and all, right? Because just like I, I could hate somebody for their imperfections, I got my own. I have my own, right? Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, a genuine love. It's not a love that says, hey, I, I love you, and then when I walk away, man, I can't stand that guy, right? I can't stand him. He's talking about a genuine love. And if I am doing that, what do I need to do? If I could tell my brother I love him and then walk away and say, I really, I can't, I can't stand that guy. I need to repent. I need to repent. I need to confess it to, to God and repent it. He is faithful and just. Forgive me my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. My heart, your hearts, our hearts have to be clean because just like these believers here, Peter's telling them, have that love for one another. Live your life in a way that glorifies God through persecution, through whatever, because you were purchased with the blood of Christ. God has called you. He's chosen you to live a holy life. Once again, you can do this because you're not relying on your own strength. You're relying on God to be able to lead you, to guide you, to feel you right. Okay? And it goes right here, 23, since you have been born again, and this is the verse we want to talk about. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. We are new creations. The word of God has caused us to be born again. 
We've been born again because the spirit of God now lives inside of us. And like the conference was saying yesterday, we need this word. We need this word. Because with all the philosophies happening today, CRT, I mean, just there's, there's more than that. Progressive Christianity, you got people coming with these wise words who know how to talk, who know how to manipulate. And they're going to, if they, anybody who's trying to get you away from this word, you probably need to walk away from. Because we've been born again, not a perishable seed. It doesn't, it's, it doesn't perish, y'all. It's undefiled. It's imperishable. Okay? Through the living and abiding word of God. The living is zeo. It's a verb. Okay? So that means it, it, it's living. It's alive. It's active. Okay? The seed of true life. The endless life in the kingdom of God. This is the living word, okay? And the abiding means meno. It's also a verb, okay? And it means to continuing to be present, held. It's kept continually in reference to time. Will come to be, will not perish, will not change. So when it says you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, this is living it's active. This isn't just a history book. And I had to stop myself from doing this. And I encourage you, don't look at this as just a book. Because where do we put our books? In a bookshelf, right? If I only look at this, if the attitude of my heart is like, okay, this is just a book then I'm going to put it where I put the other books, right? I'm going to put it where I put the other books. And in my heart, I'm only going to look at this as a book. And if this is just a book, it's going to gain dust, right? I'm not going to have a desire for it because I've already established it in myself it's just a book. This is the living and abiding word of God, Okay. We've been born again, not of, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. It's not going to corrupt. It's not going to fade. It's not going to be destroyed. Even though everything in this world today is coming against it, believers, we have to stand on the word, okay? We have to stand on the word. I'm just going to read the last two verses. And it says right here, for all flesh is as grass. All the glory of man is as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower thereof falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached to you. I don't know how our Bible time is. If we make time to study, I'm pretty sure you all do. But I just want to encourage you to, if you don't have a set time to study, study. Because the scriptures don't say to read the Bible. It says study to show yourself approved. It says to meditate on the word of God, okay? We have to really have a desire for God's word. And if we don't have a desire for God's word, ask. 
pray to him. Ask him, Lord, give me a desire for your word. Help me to understand your word. Just by you praying to God like that, you're already showing that you have faith. It's when you don't pray and ask God to, to reveal his word to you is where I now I'm, I, I'm doing it on my own. Right? And as a believer, I want to ask you, how strong, how much do you believe in God? And one of the ways you can, you can find out, how much do you rely on God? How much do you trust in God? And one of the main ways I find for myself is, how's my prayer life? Because a prayer life is more evidence that I'm more reliant on God than myself. Because before I, I established a prayer life, I was, I was moving and doing a lot of things, which was good, right? But I would be drained out. I would be so tired, and it's because I was doing it. God wasn't doing it. Amen? But just like the believers here, y'all be encouraged. Be encouraged. They were going through persecution, and we will go through persecution eventually. And you have to stand on the word of God. You have to know that God has set a place for you in heaven. Right? Jesus said, I go to prepare a, way, a place for you. In my Father's house, there's many mansions, right? I mean, that's a beautiful thing, right? Something that we hope for. So no matter what happens to you in this life, rely on Christ. Don't look to self. Look to the cross. Don't look to the government. Don't look to anything else. Look to God and his kingdom, and he will give you peace. He will give you rest. Peter was encouraging this to those believers as they were going through persecution. Thank you all for having me.